0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. How many of you are weighed down by life? I, knew, I know in a room this size, right? probably have 120 people in here or something. I know in a room this size, there are some that have debt they can't handle. Maybe medical bills. Maybe house payment. Could be poor choices with credit. There are some in this room right now that are weighed down by sin. They have an addiction or a lust problem. They lie or cheat. But they have not been successful in breaking a lifetime of bad habits. In a room this size, for sure, there are some, or even many, that they're just waiting for a breakthrough spiritually. They want a spiritual answer to what is next. The anxiety of what happens now is just eating at you and you can barely stand it, right? Right? And I know that those, and maybe for others, you're crying out. Everybody that I listed in that, you're going to God daily saying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, give me divine intervention. And maybe for you it just hasn't come yet. Well, if you're desperate and crying out, and you want to get out from the burden that is weighing you down, whatever it might be, and it it doesn't have to be any of those listed, it could be something else. Jesus gives us the answer in Luke chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Luke chapter, excuse me, chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, I'm going to tell you it may not be the answer that you want. It might not be exactly what you want to hear, and it might not be what I want to hear, but I'm going to preach it to you just as the Lord tells us to speak His Word in truth. It might not be exactly what you want to hear to the answer to your problem that's burdening you, the the sin that's weighing you down, the answer that you want to hear from the Lord either. But Jesus says, if you want heaven to move on behalf of your problem, you need to stop looking at the problem and start looking at your God. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verses 1-4. through 4. Luke chapter 17. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would become the cause of one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and returns seven times a day, saying, I repent, forgive. Forgive him. Our passage starts off with the conversation about sin. Do you guys see that taking place here? It's a conversation about sin and bondage. It's a a conversation over a person, really. Jesus said right off the bat, in verse 1, stumbling blocks will come. I want you to see that. In verse 1, what does it say as a promise to you guys? Because God's word is full of promises. It says what? Stumbling blocks will come. You guys are going to deal with issues in life. Your, 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 your fortitude will be tried. Your faith will be put to the test. And not by God. But by the one that John chapter 10, Jesus calls the thief. That wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan hates you. And so he's going to try you in whatever angle, whatever area of your life that he can. So stumbling blocks will come and they'll be in the shape and figure of a person. Maybe even somebody sitting to you right now. It could be a family member. It could be somebody from church. It could be a friend. It could be a loved one. It could be a coworker. It could be a thing. It could be alcohol. It could be sex, drugs. Whatever it might be, stumbling blocks will come. The word is "scandalon," where we get our word scandal in the English. And it means traps or snares. Jesus is saying that traps will come in your life. You will fall. You will fail and make mistakes. And what he's telling us is how to handle the get back up part. Verse 3, if your brother misses the mark or the standard that's being set by you of being a family member with you, he says, tell him, rebuke him, go up to your brother in Christ that is sinning against you, that has missed the mark against you, you go up to them and say, you are treating me wrong. You correct him. And Jesus says, if that person asks forgiveness, if that person says, you know what? You're right. I need to change. Forgive me. Jesus says, you need to forgive him right then. And if that brother does it again, forgive him. If that brother does it again, forgive him. If that brother does it again, forgive him. If that brother does it seven times, forgive him. Forgive him seven times. In another passage, it says, if that brother sins against you 490 times, you better not be keeping a tally. You forgive him. Why? Because that's what it means to be part of the family of God. It's forgiveness. It's the same forgiveness that we experience in Christ. It's that same forgiveness that every time we step into sin, Jesus says, I love you, child, get up. Now you can imagine this scene, right? Jesus has just told his disciples that I want you to forgive people that are acting a fool. Right? You ever had your kid act up? and you give them the evil eye, right? Because they're doing it when you're in public. Kids never like to act up when you're at home, right? Why? Because they know, the, the, they know the, what's going to take place, right? They know that you guys have the, the chancleta ready to go at a moment's notice, right? The boomerang chancleta. I still have no clue how my mom was able to do that. But they know. So what do they do? They wait until you are interacting with other civilized people. And then they come up to you and they start acting up. Jesus just told us how to act with family. Jesus says, you will fall and you'll fail to temptation. People will attack you and and wrong you and not just people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it may be repeated in the same day and it might be repeated over and over and, and you need to go and keep on forgiving them because forgiveness is in the forefront of those who follow Jesus. And the disciples have probably just felt overwhelmed, right? Because even saying that, I could see some of you guys getting on edge, right? It's like, forgive. I hate that guy, right? Hopefully you weren't pointing at me. But you're thinking in your heart, forgive? Jesus, that person wronged me. Forgive? I can't forgive that per- I can't forgive them. And listen, I realize people hurt us, don't they? People do vile things. They speak vile things. Jesus is telling us, I want you to dig deep. And I want you to forgive. And it's not something that He Himself didn't do. On the cross, the people who had ripped His beard from His face and spat on Him and beat Him and put a crown of thorns on Him and ripped His skin from His body and nailed nails into His hands and put Him on a cross and lift Him up on display. As He's dying there on the cross, what did He say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So Jesus never asks us, To do something that he himself hasn't done. But the disciples, they're overwhelmed. Just like you guys right now. Talking about forgiveness, you guys are getting overwhelmed. It's overwhelming. Why? Because forgiveness is beyond us. Forgiveness is heavenly. And, and they're hearing how they're going to fall to temptation and that they're going to sin and, and they're going to mess up against God and, and they're going to make God mad at them and, and they're going to make people mad at them and they're just saying in their head, they're reeling just like you might be right now, like, oh, this is, this is too much. And they must have felt small and low because listen to their response look at the response verse 5 the apostles said to the lord increase our faith jesus if if, if i'm going to make mistakes give me more faith jesus if i have to forgive a brother or sister in Christ that keeps on sinning against me and, and they sin up to seven times in a day? If I have to be prepared to battle at any time against Satan who hates me, Jesus, give me more faith. Whoa, oh, Jesus, this is a very hard pill to swallow. This is one of those fish oil pills. You guys have fish oil pills? Holy cow. Jesus, this is big. You're going to need to help us. Give us more faith because we need to prevent our failures. We need to stop it. Isn't that what we want to do when we know we're going to mess up? Isn't that what we want to do? We want to patch it and stop it and prevent it. So we walk through this door and mess up? We want to prevent failure. We want to be strong. We want to to forgive that much, Lord. Jesus, we need to be stronger in faith so we can stand up to the spiritual mess that's in this world. And if you create a spiritual mess in your family, we we want to take care of that, Lord. We want to be strong for our families. We want to be strong for our spiritual family. And it makes sense, right? Doesn't it make sense what they say? Lord, if we got to be prepared for this, give us more of that. Give me more faith, Lord. If I have to go and face life in this way, and this is an assurity, because remember, he said, I assure you, you will sin. You will make mistakes. People will sin against you. And if that's something that we're going to face, then give me more of that. It makes sense. Jesus, we need more faith to trudge through this. But listen to what Jesus answers his disciples in verse 6 down to 10. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed. Everybody that came in You should have gotten a little mustard seed from the kids as you came in. I want you to take those out real quick and look at that. Put it in the palm of your hand. Oh, come on guys, let's take it out, take it out. Put it in the palm of your hand. Some of you guys lost it, didn't you? That's why you're looking at each other like, did you get it? I thought I gave it to you. All right, now here's the thing that I've done, and and this also helps. If you don't have your mustard seed, I want you to reach into your pocket All right, get a piece of pocket lint and don't be grossed out. Everybody has pocket lint that does laundry. It's nice that they have pocket lint. That means they did their laundry, okay? All right, pull out a piece of pocket lint. I have a big piece of pocket lint. That's embarrassing. Make that smaller. There we go. Save that faith for later. All right, (laughs) now I want you to go ahead and I want you to put it between your finger and your thumb and I want you to start balling it up as tightly as you can. All right? This is for those of you that don't have the mustard seed. Don't do this to your mustard seed or else you'll have mustard for a hot dog later on (laughs) in your fingers. Now take a look at that. That's small, isn't it? It's tiny. That little mustard seed that you got as you walked in, it's tiny. It's small. And and that's what Jesus says. Hey, listen, you, you... if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's tiny. You have small faith. How many times in Scripture do we see that confronted with the disciples and confronted really in our lives? Where Jesus looks at them and he says, you of little, you of tiny faith. Jesus says, hey listen, you have that mustard seed faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea. And it would obey you. So, not too long ago, I got really excited about mulberries. And I started buying mulberries online and I started buying trees over at the, you know, down south in the Redlands and stuff. And I started planting them And I came across this beautiful mulberry and the guy's, he's just telling me, he's like, there's these beautiful leaves. He's like, oh man, and these these mulberries are like this big. I'm like, oh, I love mulberries. They taste so good, right? So this is like maybe 10 years ago, okay? I'm not that foolish now. All right, so I go ahead and I buy this mulberry because I'm like, how big does it get? And he goes, oh, it doesn't get that big, man. I'm like, great. So I take it home and I plant it. I tell Meg, I'm like, this is going to give us these giant mulberries. They're going to taste amazing. And she's like, she's sold. She's like, yeah, let's plant it. I plant it. I have her help me find a place to plant it. And this thing starts growing. and It gives us the most delicious mulberries. It was amazing. This thing was called a Pakistani mulberry. Okay. It was delicious. And then it grew a little bit more the next year. It gave us more mulberries. We were like, this is great. It's even bigger. It'll give us more mulberries as it matures. Then it grew a little bit more. And then it must have hit the water line because that thing became huge. It was like 40 feet tall in a trunk like this big around. And that's when we had a problem on our hands. And my daughter used to sneak up in there and peek up on all the neighbors. She could see, like, everybody's house from there. And we said, we got to remove this thing. And so we started going and, and, and trying to dig it up, and I was trying to move it. I was like, oh, I don't want to get rid of my mulberry tree. It's so delicious. And so I was trying to take it out and move it. And, you know, they say what you do is you dig around a tree, around the base of the tree, and, and you dig down every you know, few weeks, you keep on digging down, you break some of the roots, you dig it down, you dig it down, you dig it down until you can move it. And I started trying to do that, and there is just this maze of roots in a mulberry tree. The, the roots intertwine with each other, and they hold on to the dirt. They, they run into each other and you'll find this one root is actually like growing through the other root and then going and, and it's like a mile down and it's a mile out and it's stretching and, and it's just this intertwining of roots. Why? Because it can hold in whatever storm that it's in. In fact, when we had the hurricane go through not too long, what was that? Like six years ago or something like that? That was like the one tree standing in our yard. That was it. Everything else was like, ah, right? But this mulberry tree, why? Because it had this deep, intricate root system. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if you have faith the size of what's in your hands right now, he says, you'll say to this tree that has this root system that's beyond removal, get up out of the ground and be planted over there into the ocean and it will obey you. Which of you having a slave, plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat? And properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the thing which he was commanded to do. Does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have only done that which we ought to have done. So here Jesus gives these two visuals, doesn't he? of what it takes to accomplish what seems like is a daunting task. You have this mulberry standing in your way with a root system that is way too big for you to attack and approach and do. He's saying that forgiveness that you want to have in your life, God, get through that mulberry first. That sin that's in your life, it's got a root system that goes down deep. It's got centuries of disobedience to God. And you've got to deal with that first. He gives us two visuals here on how to have success. When you slip in the trap of sin and over and, and, and over and over, Or a beloved brother or sister in Christ, they hurt you? The two areas when you slip or a brother slips? Jesus gives us the answer. He says, hey, listen, the answer isn't to plea for more faith. Verse 6, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, man, you might be thinking in your head right now, man, that has to be one giant mustard seed. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He, he's giving us this example here of this tiny little seed that doesn't weigh pounds. It doesn't even weigh ounces. right? It, it wouldn't register on grams. That tiny seed the size of pocket lint, that some of you already lost. That small, fragile thing that can be dropped and lost. So full of potential, right? Think about that. In that tiny little seed you're holding in your hand right now is the potential of a tree. It's the potential of full growth for such a tiny little thing. Full potential and possibility that full-grown tree can come from such A tiny little thing. And what Jesus is saying is, even the smallest faith has to uh, the potential to accomplish great things. Amen? He continues, He says, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Like I said, man, that mulberry tree, it's big, it's gnarled, it's got gnarly roots and intertwined system that all mats together. Once you plant a mulberry tree, man, if it's a mulberry tree, you're not replanting it. We ended up having to cut that thing down. That's what Jesus is looking, he's saying, hey, listen, your problem is like a mulberry tree, it's planted deep. It's got a system that's running everywhere. It's touching every area of your life and you need to speak to that mulberry tree about how awesome your God is. So we have this old tree in our life, large root system, and Jesus is saying, just like that you're dealing with, it's all tangled itself all through your life. It's in your marriage. It's in your work. It's in your friendships. Whatever you've been struggling with, it may be old, but... You're facing it all through maybe your childhood, your teenage years, and now you've got this giant mulberry tree in your life that you have to deal with. It's just like us, man. We went season after season. Oh, look, it got a little bigger. And Meg kept on going, I thought it's, you said it was going to stop growing. Right? And it just kept growing season after season. That's what happens in our life, Right? We have this sin and it just keeps on growing. It keeps on touching other areas of our life. We have problems. And if we don't deal with the problems, they start touching all other areas of our life. But that mulberry tree can be moved from your life and sent into the sea, Jesus says. Think of that. The roots and age of that problem can be removed and cast away into an unnatural place where it shouldn't be. Jesus says, that mulberry tree that is in your life has been planted. It's spread its roots out in the ground of your fertile life. Trees are supposed to be in the ground. Trees are supposed to be planted in the ground, Right? I mean, look, I know none of you guys are arborists or horticulturalists in here, but you guys should know that trees should be planted in the ground. And Jesus says, this plant, this tree that is so big, if you speak to it and tell it, I want you to go from here in the ground where you're comfortable, and I want you to go into the sea and be planted, it'll listen to you. It'll be uprooted And move where trees don't go to be planted. It will go from a natural position to an unnatural one. Because when you call on the supernatural God. He moves your physical problem. He'll move that financial issue. The fleshly sin. The family problem. The brother that sins against you time and time again. And he places it into spiritual places. Because you're asking for divine intervention. It becomes the battle of the spiritual in the removal. So he's saying, I don't want you to take out your chainsaw. I want you to get on your knees and I want you to ask God. And how many of us long for divine intervention in our life? I know so many of us, we want God just to move on our behalf, don't we? God says, hey, listen, I, I, I want to. And it's not a faith problem. It's a you problem. God wants to remove the physical pains of life, physical burdens and the flesh that just threatens to divide our relationship with him. And we would love to speak to our problems about how great our God is, don't we? But Jesus says, hey, listen, this isn't a faith issue. Because if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. So if it's not about the size of our faith, what is it about? If it's not the size of our faith, because Jesus says if it's faith the size of a mustard seed... You guys still have that mustard seed in your hand? Take a look at it. It's not the size of that. So what's the problem? Well, Jesus tells us another story, doesn't he? Because in this story, he answers the problem where it lies. Jesus says, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will you not say to him, so he's saying, no, you, you, you don't really do that. If you have a servant that's been working, you look at them and you say, hey, I'm hungry. Go ahead and come inside. Wash up. Wash those dirty hands. And make me some lunch. And then go make yourself some lunch. Right? That's what Jesus says. You see, this, this passage ties directly into the physical problem that's being dealt with in a spiritual way. The idea of the story of the slave or the servant, by the way, it's servant. We interpret it as slave. It's not slave as in we own this person. It's servant. The story of this servant, if, if being busy is being obedient, then we need to be obedient to move the mulberry trees that are in our life. That's what Jesus is saying. It's our obedience to His Word that moves the sin in our life. You see, a lot of times, we read the Bible and we're like, God, it says I shouldn't do this. Oh my goodness. And you go right to it. And then you look at that problem that you just created, that mulberry that you just planted as that little sapling that I brought home. Oh Meg, look at this. The guy said it's going to give us mulberry. It's going to be so delicious. Right? And we plant it. Maybe we put some mul- mulch around it. Hold in the moisture. Put up some stones so the dog doesn't trample it. Right? And we just planted that sin in our life. And then we look at God when it's growing and it's huge and it's 40 feet tall. And we look at God and we say, get that thing out of my life. <laughs> Jesus, why aren't you dealing with that? Well, because you've been planting it and nurturing it. You've been watering it every other day. I thought you wanted that thing in there. And Jesus is saying right here, listen, it's your obedience. It's your obedience to me that's going to pull those mulberries out of your life. Because if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell that sin in your life, get out of my life, because you're already obedient to My Word. Amen? Amen. Your faith can be small if you have big application. That's what Jesus is letting us know. You see, so many times believers go to God and, and bless this, and Lord, I want You to bless that, and Lord, I want You to bless this, and do that, and do this but you're not living an obedient life. In fact, a lot of times what we do is we climb up inside of the mulberry tree, right? Just like Naomi, peeking over at all the neighbors. At least what she would do is she would get tracks and she would throw them into the neighbor's yards (laughs) from her mulberry perch. It was cute. But that's what we do, right? We get up into that mulberry tree. We climb it, right? We make a tree fort inside of it. We get all comfy. And we're like, this is my place of prayer. Right? I'm going to sit in this mulberry tree. I'm going to throw tracks to everybody. Okay? Meaning we start enjoying our sin and we start telling people from our place of sin about Jesus. Jesus. And listen, I I was in that boat when I was young. I would get together with buddies and do stuff that I shouldn't be doing. And I'd be like, hey man, let me tell you about Jesus now. (laughs) And they were like, serious man? Are you serious? You're worse than me. And I'm like, yeah, but let me tell you about Jesus. He loves you. I I was climbing the mulberry tree. And trying to evangelize. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you were already obedient, that thing wouldn't be rooting into your life, touching all areas of your life. And then you could look at it in faith, knowing that I'm going to take care of it. Why? Because our strength comes from the Word of God. But not just knowing the Word of God. Not just reading the Word of God, because you know what, there's plenty of meetings that are out there. In fact, we have tons of meetings here, don't we? Raise your hand if you're in one of our meetings. If you go to one of the Bible studies, raise your hand, raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy, guys. You're getting all nervous, Uh uh-oh, he's going to tell me to do something right now. I might, that's true. You have every reason to be nervous. Raise your hand if you go to one of the Bible studies Sunday school classes, if if you go on Wednesday and you're part of that, or, or if you're in the women's study, or in the general study with John, okay, so there's quite a few people. Good, good. But you know what we love to do? I'm going to show you guys what we love to do. Christians are so amazing at doing this. It's like, okay. Today we're going to study about being obedient to God. This is so amazing. This blessed my life and this is what I got out of it and now we're going to do another study about being obedient to God and we're going to study that. Oh my goodness, and this is so amazing. I can quote you the verses on this, but when it comes to living it, we stop. You see, what God wants us to do is take what we're studying and apply it to our lives because then it's going to be useless to us. It's going to be useless to us If we do not apply it to our lives, you know what application is to study? How many of you guys, when you guys eat something, you swallow it down? Raise your hand. Okay, well, there's some people here that are obviously lying. I'm not going to point it out. No, we always swallow it down, right? Okay, so your study time is you taking a big bite out of God's Word. And you applying it to your life is the swallowing it down for digestion. God wants you to start living His Word. You know it's sad how many times we get up here and we have to beg people to serve in ministries? Right now, by the way, we have like 20 kids in cubbies or something like that. We have one person, one person working with those kids in Awana. She's overwhelmed, but she does it. It's the same person. It's Gio. I'm going to put her on the spotlight. She, she's here day in, day out. She stays late hours. She works hard. And I know you guys work hard, but you know what she's doing? She's applying what she's studying. Because she wants to love those kids. And I know so many of you do that too. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. He's like, hey, listen, I want you to read my word. I want you to apply my word. And then you know what? That mulberry tree is not going to be touching all areas of your life. Because your strength comes from his word. Your strength comes not from your words. You know, I love. There's this illustration in in the book of Acts where there's this these guys, the son, the uh, the. Oh, I'm trying to remember their names. But the sons of Sceva. The sons of Sceva, they were coming up to demons and they are trying to cast out a demon that was in this this person and this guy. And so the the sons of Sceva, they come up and they're like, we saw Paul do this, let's go ahead and do it ourselves. So they come up to this demon-possessed man and they're like, be out of this man in the name of Paul's God. And the demon looks at them and says, well, we've heard of Paul, we've heard of Jesus, We don't know you. And the man turns and grabs the seven sons of Skeep. There's seven of them. And it says it began to beat them so bad that they ran away in their underwear. (laughs) And then later they trusted Christ and understood what they had been doing. That's That's the power of the word, right? But you have to know it. You can't go and be like, Pastor Cody says! No, you have to, you have to be digesting it yourself. You have to be swallowing it and living it, right? That's what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter how big your faith is, it's who you have faith in, amen? amen. At, 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 back in the day in my house, I used to love to do this. Now, now not so much. I can't do it because all of My kids are gigantic. But what I would do is I would have Elijah go and lay down the law for everybody. He was the smallest at that time. Now they're all giants and have giant feet. I mean, when they come out of the car at church, you guys see it, it looks like a clown car. They start unfolding themselves, it's weird. But back then they were smaller, you know, Elijah at least was smaller, and Naomi was big, Isaiah was already big, and so I would have them come, and, and, and I'd be like, Elijah, come here, and he'd come to my room, I'd be like, go tell them they have to clean their room, dad said. So he would walk over with his little squeaky voice, he'd be like, guys, dad said to clean the room, and they would get busy, man, they would, oh, 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 Right? Here, sir, her, clean that room quick! Not because of Elijah. He was the smallest. He had the squeakiest voice out of them all. But it was the power of Dad's words. And guys, that's the same thing here. You have the backing of Dad in your life. You have the truth of His Word that you can live by. So you can tell that tangled mess of sin and of wrong and unforgiveness in your life to get out of your life. Because you have dad's word. So church, if you're beaten, if you're struck down, if you're hurt, if you're suffering, it's not your faith. You don't have a faith problem. You don't have a faith problem. You guys have that mustard seed? Let me see those mustard seeds. Or the pocket lint. It's okay. Show me the pocket lint. That's okay. Some of you guys are like pulling out. Oh, oh, look, That's some big pocket lint, guys. We're going to have to talk. That's another sermon for another time. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a faith problem. It might be an obedience problem. It might be an application problem. The one with authority to move the mulberry trees in your life is Jesus. What you need to do is start talking to Him and living obedient to His Word. Not for salvation, but for your struggles in life. Amen? I want to end with a challenge for you guys this week. I want to end with a challenge that I hope every one of you guys take. I want to challenge you guys to stretch in three ways this year. Three ways. The Lord has a way of orchestrating things in our life, doesn't he? I love the way God just starts intertwining things. Just like you guys, you know, you you wake up and you go and you do a devotion You get in the car, maybe you put on like K-Love or something like that, and you guys are listening, and and like the same theme starts playing throughout the day. It's weird, right? Isn't it neat? And by the way, some of you guys come up to me and you'll be like, Pastor Cody, your sermon spoke right to me. Did my wife talk to you? No, just to let you know, your wives don't talk to me, your husbands don't talk to me. I don't know what's going on in your life, okay? The Holy Spirit does, though. And so there's always like this, this hint of, of, of resonance in devotions and in music and things like that. And faith has been ours. Faith has been mine. Through the summer, the past few weeks, the past few months, the theme faith was chosen by the worship team and, and I. Um, almost immediately after Passion Night, we, we had a meeting. Me, Dylan, and, and Lucci, and Nick. And yes, Nick didn't talk. It was Lucci doing the talking. Nick doesn't talk. He sings. He makes a joyous noise. You know, I've heard Nick's voice outside of singing. But we, almost immediately after we were talking, there's a couple different themes that we'd come up with, but, but we, we settled with this idea of faith. And then, a few months go by, we get into the summer, and... Katie's like, I'm really struggling to find a theme for the school this year. And she's like, but I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be listening. I get, I, we, we're renting a car and I get satellite radio and I rent a car. So I'm going to listen to all the different Christian radio stations. and I'm going to hear and see what they have and, and listen to sermons, just see what ends up happening. And she comes back. She's like, Pastor Cody, I figured it out. We're doing Second Corinthians 5 verse 7. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith. And then on my 21st wedding anniversary, anniversary on August 17th this past year, me and Meg, we were we are sitting down, we were reading, and, and, and we just, we're just spending time together. We like to do morning devotions, and everybody's around, and she opens up. We, we read this every once in a while, which is um, Streams in the Desert. It's an amazing devotional book. And so she opened up to page 314 in the book, which is August 17th, which is amazing because usually it's funny. We'll just open up and we'll read whatever, but we actually read the day. And it says this, and I'm not making this up, guys. You have to believe me on this. Acts 27.25, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. A number of years ago, I went into to America with a steam captain who was a very devoted Christian. When we were off the coast of Newfoundland, he said to me, the last time I sailed here, which was five weeks ago, something happened to me that revolutionized my entire Christian life. I had been on the bridge for 24 straight hours with a man named George Mueller of Bristol, England, who was a passenger on board... And he came to me and said, Captain, I need to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. Looking at him, I said, that is impossible. Very well, Mueller responded, if your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way, for I have neither, never missed an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room to pray. I looked at this man of God and thought to myself, what a lunatic. What uh, lunatic asylum did he escape from? I had never encountered someone like this. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you realize how dense this fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the dense fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down and prayed one of the most simple prayers I've ever heard. And when he had finished, I started to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and he told me, don't pray. He said, first, you do not believe God will answer. And second, I already believe he has. Consequently, there is no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. As I looked at him, he said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been even a day, a single day, that I have failed to get an audience before the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you'll see that the fog is gone. I got up. And indeed, the fog was gone. And on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his meeting. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Because it's not the size of your faith, it's who you have faith in. Faith reaches our everyday and doesn't just make us saved for eternity, it makes us disciples that follow the way of the maker. Amen? The words of the rabbi, and sit at the feet of the teacher of our soul. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.